Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited because it's actually both of us. And these days seem few and far between that actually both of us can get together. So yay, we're both here. Yay. <laughs> we still um, love each other too. So <laughs> squashing any rumors if there are any. Uh, I really enjoyed your last episode. So I just wanted to tell you that I felt like it was a very brave and vulnerable share. And this one reason I like sometimes that we are doing separate episodes Mm -hmm. is I feel like I get another podcast to listen to because when it's you and I, of course, like I'm participating. So it feels weird to listen to that episode, but when it's just you, I'm like, yeah, it's Mel's podcast. I can go listen to that. And that's not weird. Um, but that was, that was a really cool episode. And I, I know I related to a lot of it and I know that there were other people that would have really found that impactful. So I just wanted to make a comment on that before we got into anything today. I appreciate that. And I appreciated your text too. It was one of those ones that you're like, do I delete it? Just start over. But uh, yeah, I think everything worked out exactly as it is. And the energy shifted from that episode to like immediately following it was like, it just needed to be cleared out of my energy. And it's springtime here now where it felt like winter before. That's so cool. It, Mm -hmm. It actually helped me in a really funny way because some of what you articulated really resonated for me. Um, for a friend that is going through something. And I don't think that she has the same ability to speak as like, as you do. So it was kind of interesting, even if she is not having that experience, like maybe she would listen and go, Oh no, that's not what I'm going through. But I think it held, it helped me hear kind of what she could be feeling or what's possible. And then maybe just being able to be more compassionate or hold space in a better way. And, uh, And that was, anyways, that was really cool for me to listen as well. So um, today, what we wanted to talk about was uh, Mel and I kind of had this little conversation because I posted a reel from uh, this really, really cool chick, her podcast. She actually has a podcast too, so we'll plug it. Um, She's got, it's called Medium in the Middle. She's out of Banff. um, And I know her name, but I don't know why it escapes me (laughs) right now, which is mortifying. But anyways, um but she posted a reel and I was like, yes, this is so cool. So I posted it. And then Mel came and she messaged me. She went, Oh, I think I do this uh, as in uh, this woman was like kind of calling out intuitives. And, uh, and so essentially what the reel said was the reason I really, um, aligned with it was she was basically talking about keeping your ego out of your readings. Essentially your readings are not meant to be performative. Your healing sessions are not meant to be an ego stroke. It's meant to be, you're there for the client was the point of that I heard. But then what was also said in the reel was essentially, um, she was explaining that a client came to her and said, I'm just a little nervous about Reiki because the last time I had a Reiki session, I felt inundated by all this information, by trauma healing, by all this other stuff that the practitioner offered. And this is of course what Mel said. She's like, well, this is what I do. And so this is what created this conversation. Cause I said, yeah, I think you, you do that, but I don't think you do that from a service to your ego. I think you do it as a part of what you are offering as a unique and individual practitioner. And so this is where we wanted to kind of, I guess, get into a conversation is maybe like when 
I'm sure that there's times when we have shown up <laughs> performatively or out of ego or, um, you know, in that, in that place. So it's not to, you know, discount those moments or, or lack accountability in that area. Um, but it's kind of like going, um, the way that you show up as a practitioner is not the problem, but I think it's the, how does that make sense? Yeah. The, what I got from it, like, so I was like, Ooh, that I feel, feels targeted. <laughs> when I saw that, <laughs> I was like, ouch. But when I listened, it gave, I was really, I'm grateful for those opportunities. I don't shy away from them. I will retreat, but it gave me an opportunity to reflect and to say like, is what I'm doing of the utmost integrity? And is it of the best service to clients? When I listened to it again, it was that your description, and it, this comes at a timely time too, because I was just going to update my description of my services in the fall back to just Reiki and distance Reiki. And that real come at a time where it's going to help me from doing that. And I, and I think that that's a good thing because what I offer isn't just Reiki. And in the real, I thought it was match your description to what you're offering. Don't mm -hmm. just surprise people with, oh yeah, so I do all these things too. And it's, I, I know consent was in there. I think hashtag consent. Um, and I do believe in that. I do believe that most of my clients are word of mouth clients. So they'll uh, hear from their friends how weird things can get. Um, but I think that your description should include that you do go into the subtler layers and you communicate them back because most Reiki traditionally is silent, right? Where there's no communication between practitioner and client, but so many, so many practitioners are coming into their strong intuitive bodies and being able to relay messages from the subtle bodies, the subtle layers that we can't see that it's becoming quite common practice. And that's why I was thinking about updating my description. But after I saw that, I was like, no, it's different. There is Reiki included, but it is not a Reiki session, what you're mm -hmm. getting from me. And so I think being so clear about what you're offering to people. And I did, I think I took it off, but I did have on there a silent session. So you could do my session and I wouldn't uh, talk. Do you know how many people booked it? Zero. <laughs> Zero. So I thought I'll just take this off because a lot of people were getting confused. Although the description had said like it's everything without the, the communication. But yeah, nobody booked it. So I know that my people are coming um, for that different sort of session, but I can see if you've had a Reiki session before and it was just a uh, hand placement or working with the energy body and nothing was spoken to you during that session. It was a silent sort of peaceful and no discounting it to it at anything because I like my massages quiet, just like maybe some people like their Reiki's quiet. But I think if you got that, what you, that's what you wanted in your head and you came to a session like mine. I do think you'd leave a bit traumatized. <laughs> you would well, be maybe overwhelmed, overstimulated. Wouldn't it be the same as like thinking someone's like, 
like say you go to a yin yoga class and someone's like, Hey, do you want to come with me to yoga? And you go and you experience yin and they're like, yeah, okay. I'd like to do yoga again. And you just yeah. go and you show up to yoga and it's like a hot flow class. Like it's going to be jarring because oh, and not because yin it's is superior happy. or flow is superior, but just because yeah, you do. I think it. you're right. As far as the description or just knowing who you are as a practitioner going in and being able to set someone up to go here, here's kind of what you can expect. There's another thing that I notice that happens in, um, my experience because mine is all talk. Like it's it, tarot is all, um, conversation and, but, uh, I will get people who feel precarious because tarot has a bit more of a reputation or we have, we hit more like religious traumas. We, you know what I mean? It's kind of got, um, it's so I will side to it. Yes, totally. Yeah. And, um, and so you will have people come in almost nervous and they're like, well, I don't, I don't know what I want to, you know, like, I don't know if I want to know about this or I don't know what's going to come up around that or whatever, but basically like people will get nervous. And so what's really, really great. And I really liked that she brought up consent because that's really important to me. And I will essentially have almost this, like the first five minutes of um, sometimes anyways, with, uh, tarot readings is we almost have this conversation around boundaries. Like we kind of go, okay, well, what, what do you absolutely not want to get into? And the funny thing about energetic work. And I, and I love, I love this. I love how this works is I also tell my clients because just the nature of what I'm doing too, there's a lot of, um, scams in this industry. And so I give my clients also permission to not tell me their boundaries, but to simply set them. Like, I'm like, if you have anything that, that a topic, you know, a conversation, you don't want to, you don't want it to come up. I said, you can verbalize it to me, um, but you don't have to either. You can simply in your mind go, this is off the table. This content is not. And uh, one of my favorite analogies and this is actually, I use this analogy for experiencing people's energy, but every time I go into um, someone's energy, it's kind of like being invited into their home. And so uh, this is how I also describe that. I won't just read people walking by them or whatever. It's because that would be like walking into someone's house. I, I would never do that. I would never walk into someone's house randomly. I would always knock first, or I would, you know, assume that maybe be in a position where I have their um, invitation to walk into their home, whatever. Um, but the other thing I've noticed with, uh, people's energy is like people's homes. So sometimes you go into someone's house and they're like, help yourself. Like, you know, you know, dishes are in the cupboard, you know, eat whatever you want in the fridge da, 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 da. and other people kind of let you in the entryway and you just stand in the doorway and other people are like getting you to like go into the deepest corners of their back closet and like pull stuff out of there. So everyone's really different and their energy is really different to walk into in that regard as well. And so I will only ever go as far as like, I try to be a polite house guest basically. <laughs> and so I'll only go as far as you let me, which means you can absolutely shove some stuff in the junk drawer or like put the things in the closet, close it. That's private. That's yours. I won't go upstairs unless you ask me or invite me to. And, um, but I do think it's important to know on both ends. I think it's important to know your boundaries as a practitioner. Like maybe there's content you as the practitioner are not comfortable getting into. I think you should know that um, because you're probably not the best reader for it. If it's going to be in a content or subject matter that you yourself find triggering. 
And I think it's really good to know your client's boundaries for obvious reasons. Yeah. I don't ever do that, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the way that it's come for me is uh, that, like you said, they don't have to verbalize it. If it's off limits, I won't be able to see it. I won't. Mm And I have been doing this for 10 years and I can say that the only time I've ever had uh, someone that I could notably see was, uh, didn't like me (laughs) after was it when they asked me a direct question that they got an answer that they didn't like. And would I have brought that up um, just on my own? No, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have. And uh, so that also led me down the road is, was it meant to come? Um, mm-hmm. But I did have the answer. So uh, I've always, I've always really trusted source that if the body's ready to release it, I will see it. If mm-hmm. the people are ready to receive it, I will hear it. Um, and, and so far that has served me. I'm not saying that it's for everybody. I have a really good relationship with source. They trust what I get. And, um, I do have the ability to hold space without interjecting my own feelings. So a lot of things aren't triggering to me, but I think for people who are first starting out it, I, I think that that is amazing advice that you don't go into something that you yourself would be triggered by because you won't be able to read it without your colored lens on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the other thing I've seen argued in, um, argued being debated, uh, like, as in, I'm not saying, um, it's negative. Like it's a discussion. There we go. I've seen discussed in, um, more specifically tarot circles, but I think this, this, uh, applies to all is, uh, to read without interjecting mm. yourself, like your yeah. opinions, your, uh, and it's so funny because, um, I see, and I, this is, I would say you and I might have a different opinion here. So this is probably a good, like a good one. We can get into this. Dis- we can represent <laughs> this discussion well, because I think that I might have this slightly more like unpopular opinion that I think it's, it's okay <laughs> to interject yourself. Uh, I usually offer it as like a, um, like pause spirit for a second. Here's how I'm seeing this, or yeah. here's how I'm interpreting this, or here's how, I, you know, but I guess I have seen the interaction with spirit like an artist and a paintbrush. Mm-hmm. And I think art is channeled. So I speak as an artist, a writer, a musician, a creator in that regard that I, you know, of course have like feel that I've channeled music and lyrics, but I'm the vessel and there's an importance to my, like, there's a reason that that information came through this vessel, through my vessel and not someone else's or something else's. And so I guess I trust the lens that I'm representing sometimes too, if that makes sense. And I think that even if we are so like, make so much effort to you know, be unbiased or be as objective as possible. The reality is that we still have limitations because we are still human and we are still going to color things. I, so I, I kind of think that just knowing that, like knowing like, yes, me as Tanya, I can only see what I can see from this vantage point, but it still holds value. And that's, I think what I go into my readings with going is trusting even what I feel inspired to say as a person from my own experiences, sharing my stories, um, 
sharing my weird analogies. Like, I just kind of like, no, I feel like this is, this is why, this is why we're here. This is why we're talking. And I think there's a part of me that trusts the source, uh, influence of just bringing us together, like me and the sitter together is going, well, I'm your reader today for, you know, whatever reason I feel like the times that people have walked away from my reading and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like definitely I've had the ones where I said something and they just didn't like it, which I'm going, okay, well, that's not for me to get attached to. And you know, it it is what it is um, because I can't decide how you're going to receive information. Um, Those are hard on me though. I I hate that. (laughs) I want you to walk away and be like, nice, feel nice inside. Um, but there, and then there's just been a couple where I feel like it was a misalignment. It, okay. Either this, I, and I honestly don't know either it was a misalignment of energy, AKA I wasn't their reader. Like I was just, you know what, there's probably another reader out there that's just better for you than me. Or I just got weird and insecure about it because they weren't glowing or, or happy or, you know, uh, it didn't. I don't know how effective the reading was basically like sometimes I'm kind of like in the zone and it's like amazing. And then there's just this like one out of, you know, 15 times or something where I just kind of, it's bumpy and sandpaper like, and I can't see, I feel like I'm kind of like going through the dark with a flashlight. Like it's not as, uh, have you ever, have you ever timed your readings to your cycle? No. I think you should start. (laughs) Well, I, okay. The first problem right now is I don't have a reliable cycle because I'm using yeah the moon. yeah the moon yeah there we go that yeah. that could work but yeah my body cycle is yo-yo-y at the moment because yeah. uh bless bless having children love blessing. I feel I feel that too and I've noticed that when I feel disconnected it's because I'm in like a void space in my cycle and you're you're really just meant to be channeling in and not out externalizing your intuition yeah. So I think that'd be really cool to see even, um, I guess you don't have anything charted, but going forward, if you could see like, oh yeah, I see here, this one, like you could even rate them. <laughs> Sorry, clients, <laughs> but like scale of presence or effectiveness or feeling validated. Um, when you said all of that, like, I don't have a differing opinion on that at all. So it like, sorry, oh. no, that's, yeah. I'm, I thought you would have totally been like, no, you should be completely unbiased. And no, I, I'll so often, um, say this is the human in me. Uh, I've, I've been through this. This is a, you know, how I've experienced it in my life and the way that, uh, you know, how we're pulled together, um, all of my clients, like on days where they're stacked, they all have an underlying theme. And I then go at the end of the day, is it them or is it me? Is this mm. my or is this their theme? But anyways, we were pulled together to be able to see that one thing in that, in that way. And even though, um, everything I get from source, it's kind of, uh, yoga nidra doing, being a devoted practitioner has taught me how to stay in witness seat in every, uh, practice or session that I do. And it's like the human in me is going, what? No, holy shit. And like, even though it'll be my lens, I'll be like, I never have seen it that way before. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity to just have my own perceptions, ceilings, limitations blown through Mm -hmm. other people because 
we're so biased when it comes to ourselves, but to see it in someone else, you can just mm-hmm. see it with the eyes of the eagle. And I think that, yeah, we are blending human and spirit, but for the most part, channeling spirit, but the human in the background on the armchair going, oh my God. <laughs> That's how no, I feel. No, I, I have so... Yes. Okay. So that's so many things I could hit on here, but one is the collective themes, like having, cause so I don't know if this happens to you, but I'll get these like, kind of like waves, like where these like bursts where all of a sudden just like, poof, all these readings are like, boom, 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 boom at once. And almost always there is a collective theme. Yeah. And I always just think that's so cool. It makes me feel a little bit like, a, uh, I have this like <laughs> thing about, um, I never want to be a scam artist because like, that's what, that's the story that lives in my head is that this intuitive work can't be proven and therefore it could be a scam. And so I'm always like, kind of like trying to prove it's not to myself. And, uh, so when I get get into telling people the same thing, I'm like, oh, am I, am I, is it real? Or am I just like, am I falling back? (laughs) I have to do a little bit of self like grappling in the moment, but I know it, I know it's legit. And then, you know, yeah, you do see these like kind of interesting collective themes. And I think it, of course they apply always relevant in my life. Now, whether it's again, helping me understand someone in my life or whether it's literally in my body, I go, Oh, that's what that is. Because yes, seeing it from a different vantage point is easier than when you're in it. It's kind of like getting like, say being in a crowd of people, like, you know, you're in a crowd of people, but then like someone giving like this helicopter view and being like, oh, that's where I am. It's like context. All of a sudden you kind of like pan out and you can, you know, see things more easily. Um, Disidentify. It's all about disidentification. If we aren't like embedded and integrated and embodied in it, we're able to see it so clearly mm-hmm. so happening for someone else. It's like, um, the, uh, the front of ourselves is considered the consciousness. Like this is me, my conscious self, who I think I am, my personalities, my costumes. And then my back body is my unconscious, my subconscious where you can see me, but I'll be in the middle of doing a looping pattern or a repeating pattern. And you'll be able to be like, yeah, this is the same, but different, <laughs> you know, just a different timeline but I can't see that everyone else can see my back body. They can see if my, my ass is covered in hair, but I can't like if I've sat on a couch and that's the ability of uh, community. And I think that that's why healing is a uh, communal effort. And like, this makes me think of the the phrase, I got your back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then all the connotations around, around that. That's cool. I, it's interesting because I've heard that the conscious and the subconscious, um, my friend phrased it as, I can't remember what she called the front, but the back being the universal self. So like, um, individual, like the cosmic. Yeah. And I always thought it was so interesting because she, um, brought it into light in a yoga way. And it was so funny to me because I was very like open for backbends. So my front body, very, like, I would just like backbend all the live long day, but forward folds were really hard for me. And I, it's so funny because, because especially at the time, like in that time I was, there was no spirituality for me. Like it was basically, I was agnostic bordering on atheist and 
you know, just maybe like putting my toes into different pools of possibility. Like, yeah, that could be a thing. I guess I can't prove it wrong. So it's possible, but I don't believe it to be true or don't believe it to exist or whatever. Um, so it's just so funny how that, that symbolically, you know, landed anyways, I was, I always thought about that and for my struggle with forward folds and then forward folds became easier. Mm-hmm. And of course my pragmatic self would go, yeah, but I did a lot of yoga. So it just makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, it did, it did, uh, kind of balance out. Now I can't bend either way, but that's okay. It'll, it'll, it'll <laughs> I'm <come>. board. Yeah. <laughs> Personified a board. I, it's funny. Cause I'm the opposite, uh, back bends for me are like, they literally make my throat feel like I can't breathe. I, I go into, um, even after a backbending class, I just told, I can't remember where I told this, but a backbending class gave me hives. I had a physiological oh, wow. response to it, but forward folds, everything, uh, forward folding cosmic universe connection. I was like, yeah, I'm here for this, but that backbending class, it put me into, uh, a, a, a physiological distress. My nervous system responded. That's so interesting. I mean, um, so I used to teach the, the forward fold backbend dynamic, uh, the way that I taught it. So my friend did the kind of that universal or uh, conscious self kind of analysis. Um, my, again, a little bit more pragmatic, pragmatic approach, which probably these can live parallel lives. I don't think they have to be uh, in contrast to one another, but was that if you think about the, the like literal innate mechanics of like a back bend versus a forward fold, like our rib cage is armor. So when you go into a forward fold, you're, you're safe. Like you're, you're protected. Your back is where you will naturally, you know, cause that's, but your internal organs are on your front side and they, when exposed, like when you're in a back bend, you are exposing everything to someone that could kill you essentially. And I think that that's very symbolic in addition to being obviously very real, like visceral, um, physiological kind of a thing. And so I thought, I think it's so interesting that your body had that response because your body knows how vulnerable it's being essentially. Like it, if you are someone that struggles with backbends or you go into a backbending class and cause nausea is so common, right. With backbends, nausea, uh, dizziness, um, Solar that kind of, stuff. yeah, yeah. There's lots of stuff that, that, uh, that can come up, I think in backbending and anyways, that, so I always just normalized the challenges around it because, because you, your, I think your body knows how to keep itself safe. So it's going to resist certain things. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting because I would, I don't know where I'm at right now. Because there's just, you know, I'm, I, have you heard of matrescence? No. Okay. Well, it's, it's making me feel better. So it's an actual, like, like hormonal, literal scientific process of essentially, um, the shift that you go through, um, after having a baby or more, but basically it's a form of adolescence, like adolescence matrescence. So it's, um, that you are, literally changing as much as a teenager would change. So if you think about that change where you go through adolescence and there's lots shifting, there's actually lots shifting in matrescence. It's just made me feel a lot more okay with just not knowing where I'm at um, and lacking identity and that kind of a thing. So I don't know where I'm at as identity, but let's go to like old Tanya and use her as a model. (laughs) I would have identified as someone that was really not great at being vulnerable. So 
it was, it's interesting to me that I was so comfortable with back bends because they're so vulnerable. And I don't know if that was just maybe a, like a paradox, a juxtaposition or, you know, cause I would say you, you have would come across to me as someone who is vulnerable, like is more emotive, is able to be that. And so, uh, just, just a funny little, you know, paradox. When, one thing that stands out to me is that, um, old Tanya was always, uh, her whole driving light was being seen. Right. And so that, that individuation, I know who I am. I powerfully project that, uh, that me is, I'm not afraid of being seen. So it wasn't a safety thing Mm -hmm. for me. It's definitely, um, my life path is trust, mostly trusting myself. So that's why I'll curl in like the turtle. You have that, uh, turtle back for comfort and protection, but in a back bend, oh my God, I'm going to really have to trust my heart. I'm going to have to really trust my intuition, my ability to read lots of, lots of work that I've done over the last five years. I couldn't, um, I couldn't have done prior to without earning my own trust. Hmm. So So back things are kind of like my new thing. So do you, do you enjoy them more now then? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I like them. We just, I just taught on Wednesday for the first time in a long time. And it was like just tiny little back bends, but you know, letting the people know that parts there. (laughs) So something I always said in my yoga teacher days too, was there's, you're always going to have poses or like styles or whatever, you're gonna have limitations in your practice because that's the nature of existing in this like squishy, fleshy avatar, right? Is it's not, um, it's capable, but will have, um, I think that the avatar is teachable, AKA, uh, those, those, um, limitations are, can shift and will shift. Um, but you will always be a better teacher around the poses that you are find limitations with versus the one, like, basically I was a garbage backbend teacher. I tried obviously. And I like tried to learn through observing where those challenges were and learning from them. But because those, those poses came so naturally to me, I would not have as many tools to work through them. Um, and so that was something I tried to tell when I was doing uh, teacher trainings, what I tried to relay was essentially because, because people always got so frustrated by their own experience, like by, um, you know, oh, I can't do this or, oh, I want to do this and just really kind of enveloped in that. And so I tried to kind of go, okay, I like, I can appreciate that this is a challenging experience for you, but this is like, this is your goal as a teacher. Like if you're going to take yourself out into the world to become a yoga teacher, this is where you are going to excel because this is where you're going to have to troubleshoot and overcome. And, um, oh my God, I just had like a little epiphany while I'm talking here. (laughs) It's probably the same reason that I am so enthusiastic about teaching tarot from an intuitive approach is because I learned from a memorization approach. I learned from an intellectual approach. I had to overcome the hurdles of learning intuitively. So now when I share tarot, I'm like, don't, don't do that. Don't learn all like you can go, you can go learn all the meanings, but I, I 
there's other ways to do this. And in fact, in my opinion, more like more powerful ways where you're actually then, um, finding your intuitive language and you're able to like repurpose that outside of tarot as well, which is just, you know, where lots of the magic happens, but anyways, so yeah. Yeah, Your weakness is your power essentially, which I think is like poetic. Truly is. I, that's why I say your, your, your purpose is your paradox or your, your, your paradox is your purpose. It's always the opposite of what we want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What we're comfortable with. I should say we usually do want it, but we've not given ourselves the space to trust that it's ours. Yeah, totally. And then, um, even that is like a really good, like poetic symbolism for, perception. Um, so I wrote this, this piece a long time ago about how I, when I was first started yoga, I was just like the creakiest, like could not touch my knees, like let alone my toes, like just so couldn't, I couldn't move. I hated yoga. I thought it was awful. And all my head just told me, I was like, this is good for you. (laughs) Like you hate it, but it's good for you. So let's try to, let's try to build a, a relationship here. And I remember going to yoga classes and looking at these like beautiful people that just moved their bodies so fluidly. And I was like, oh, this isn't fair. It's so natural for them. And I'm just so awkward and like, I just can't do anything here. Anyways, as we know, spoiler alert, I (laughs) got really into yoga and I went to a class and you know, of course I didn't think anything of it, but anyways, I'm in the the dressing room after, and there's a woman in there and she is voicing her frustration with yoga. Yoga is not for me. I just don't like it. You know what? It wasn't made for people like me. Uh, it was made for people like her. And she references to me, these people who are naturally so flexible and fluid and graceful. These are not her words. I don't remember exactly what she said, but she kind of just like, was like, it's made for people like that, not people like me. And that was when it was, I had this like full, like full circle moment of being like, oh my God, that I was, that was me too. I thought it was so easy for that person. I never considered that they had their own journey of getting to where they were. And so when we're in a place and we desire something or we want something, or we're seeing, you know, and we think, oh, it just, it comes so naturally to that person or it's so easy for that person. That could be the case. Sometimes things do come easily or naturally to someone and, and that's, you know, that's okay. But oftentimes I think we don't know and we don't appreciate where that person could have come from or how they got to where they were or how they became what you (laughs) I was fighting that off for like like last minute so um how they became who they are or what they have or that kind of thing anyways I feel like that can be kind of repurposed into lots of things too is just understanding that just because something doesn't come easily to you doesn't mean it's not yours yeah I think for the most part we shouldn't try to figure out other people without asking their story first and that, and, and that it would be a super full circle moment when all of a sudden you're that body that she's mm-hmm. like, I can never be that. And yeah, to see that. Well, in the moment I, I was like, well, I was a little stunned. I didn't talk at all. Like I didn't, I just kind of, I, well, honestly, I felt a little awkward and I just left and I kind of wish I would have taken a moment to be like, dude, I was like this in the same boat, but yeah. it wasn't like I was leaving and kind of like, you know, simmering on it. I wasn't offended or anything either. It was not that, but I just kind of was like sitting with it and I went, 
I never even realized I became her. Like I never even realized because yoga for me, it was, it never got like, I don't know how to say this exactly. It never got easy. Like yoga classes were always challenged me. And like, it was never like, I didn't ever walk into a class and I was like, Oh, that was a piece of cake, you know, like, um, but my body shifted, but of course it does this. So like tiny in such little increments that you don't notice it. You don't appreciate it. You don't see it. And this comes up thematically for me a lot in readings. And I know why it does. Like, I know who I am. <laughs> I know what my problems are, <laughs> uh, but thematically in reading readings, I will meet with people who are looking for that next milestone, that next block, that next rung of the ladder, that next thing. And that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's ambition. That's drive. That's passion. And that is like the fuel of life. Like we need people like that in this world. They're so important. It's just that those people also need to be able to look back and, and appreciate the view because they have been climbing, but it feels like a Jacob's ladder. If you don't look at where you've gotten, you just feel like you're just, you know, hand over hand, hand over hand, and you get tired and it feels like you're sweaty. And it, and I don't know if anyone's been on a Jack, Jacob's ladder, but you don't get anywhere. Like you're just kind of going in the same place. So it's so important to be able to have context. And sometimes we need someone else to bring that helicopter view, like we were talking about, to bring that context to go, oh, I have gotten somewhere. Oh, I have done something. And um, it's funny being in this like matrescence or this weird, you know, in between lack of identity place, because I see my, like we talked about my old self, right? Like Tanya, the old you, it, well, now she feels like a different person. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not her anymore. So now I see her accomplishments. I'm like, oh, you, like you did some shit and you had no idea. <laughs> yeah. But everyone feel, else did. Yeah. But like I, I feel, I feel bad for her that she didn't know what she did. And so I'm trying to better recognize <laughs> yeah. where my, I my, I think it's good practice to even talk about where, like where you're at right now and how far you've come or, Hey, like, I remember when, uh, even just putting a, like a post on social media, I do readings would have been a weird thing. And now it's like, I've bug you guys with it all the time. I don't even think about it, but it is like these little tiny things that our identity just changes over time and we become someone new. And, uh, I think it's important to reflect on that regularly. I, I, I'm growing to more appreciation for this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with you essentially. And, uh, I'm, learning that I agree with that even more than I thought I did before. Like, cause I thought I did it before. I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, I did that thing. Okay. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. I did that thing. Okay. What's next? Uh, and again, it's, it's just kind of like holding duality. I think it's kind of, uh, you know, um, Santosha and tapas, like kind of side by side. And I even used to discuss that. I thought I got it. I did. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. And it, I was doing something last night. Oh, this is embarrassing. Okay. Anyways, I don't know why, but I was scrolling through my Instagram, like way back. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I just was cringing. It's stuff. I get Facebook memories that make me cringe. I always hit the three dots and say less like this. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, less yeah. of old me, please. Less and, of me doing but, quotes, please. <laughs> but even the cringe, like, don't you think like, oh, right, but I'm not supposed to be cringing. I'm just supposed to appreciate where I was yeah. or whatever. I'll get there eventually. But for now, I just look back at my stuff and I was like, ew, let's do I that differently. The cringe comes because we're not in that energy anymore. So we've already learned what young Melanie or uh, 10 years ago, Melanie was learning. And now we can just like, oh my God, how could I not see myself? Well, I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I couldn't see myself because I was myself. I was present with myself. I think presence is the biggest thing for us is um, just being here. Uh, My son had the world of wheels last weekend and I sent him a text and said, I really hope that you're present with every moment. This will be a memory for a long time. Mm -hmm. Just be able to take it in, you know, and Mm -hmm. I wish someone had, I wish I had the skills to do that because I feel like I've, I, I feel like I missed a lot of my kids growing up because I was waiting for the next milestone or Mm -hmm. um, you know, waiting to get out of the tired phase, waiting to get out of this phase. And I really, truly feel like I missed so much of the magic of that time. So here I am now waiting for grandkids, but it's like (laughs) really trying to be present with who they are as people right now. And I think presence is the answer to everything is, can I just be here and see who's in front of me and be looking in the mirror? And I mean, we're not supposed to be cringing with our present self anyways because then we you'd never do anything or well and I'm sure actually some of us get stuck in that immobilization loop of like cringing currently and then or thinking about how you could cringe later so then you don't do anything now and that's not the answer either so bless bless me for doing all my cringy stuff so I can do different things now I don't know yeah and it, honestly it's like I, they're just small expressions and my son also taught me one thing he said there was some stuff. He's doing something I didn't like. And he said, I said, you know how people will see you like this will give you a different sort of reputation. And he said, this isn't who I am. This is me becoming bad. So I'm going to try a lot of things. It doesn't make that me. And I thought I need to write that down. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put that on a, yeah. Put that on some word art on the wall. I love right? that. That's so yeah. cool. And I feel like that's applicable always okay I we have to end on that I know that's that's a magic moment (laughs) and I also (laughs) well that too I have to also it's Stephanie Stephanie is the medium in the middle that was gonna bug me so uh this is our shout out to Stephanie and I think actually maybe I'll see if maybe she wants to hop on this podcast and we can give her an interview she's really cool um okay so thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the spiritual boss podcast um you can reach us through instagram and of course you can email us spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com peace in peace out